There are two ways to see God. First, by who he is. And secondly, by who we are. I mean to say that there are two lens from which we see God. Number one, by his revelation of himself to us from the scriptures, that is from the insight God had given us about his nature and power, by the insight he has given to us about his dealings with men who has gone ahead of us. You see, God's dealing in the past is a clue to his eternal immutable character. So, divine revelation is one way by which we see the Father. And that's the most accurate way. Meanwhile, another way we know him is from our own colored view, from our own fallen nature. I mean to say that from our own cold and callous hearts, from our own self-caused experiences and horrible life situations. But this state is an error, the wrong place to seek God. No man can know God by himself from logic or philosophy or anything of such nature. Because the world is spiritual and God himself is a spirit. So we have got to depend on spiritual aids to grasp his nature and essence of dealing with us. Now let's look at the consequences of the fallen nature, which had made it very impossible for you to understand the Father or to see Him rightly. One of the effects of the fall of mankind is that it turns our perceptions of the truth upside down. And it also perverted us and perverted the truth that is in us in some sense. Consequentially, our understanding becomes darkened. And as a result, or in essence, we lose the original potentials of our, of our understanding or intelligence. And because of that, man's conception and interpretation of realities is now what he cooks up by the things he observes, by the things he gains from his impressions, and by the things he guesses out. So in the fall, although we still have access to knowledge, but the knowledge we have access to is incomplete. It is partly, it is inappropriate and it is inaccurate. Although in the fall, we have access to information, but the information we have access to deforms us. This deforms us. It handicaps us and eventually it will condemn us into eternal damnation. But thank God for God's care and kindness. And that care and kindness had come to snatch you out of this room of the fall. And that is the reason why you need God to rescue you from yourself and from the perversion you call truth or knowledge. What I'm saying in essence is that there is a wrong side to see God. And the wrong side to see God is from your own end, from your own viewpoint, from the experiences you have gone through. You are you will be always wrong to try to fix God from your own beclouded imagination or darkened mindset. 
meanwhile there's also the right side to see god and the right side to see god is to see god from his own end from his own term from his own verdict from his own dealings with others who are gone ahead of us and in this case god had revealed himself to us and when i say that he had revealed himself to us i mean he revealed himself to us from his own end and i mean that from what he had revealed about himself then we can have a better relationship with him so the reason why we can have a relationship with the father is because he revealed himself and because he had revealed himself we can fellowship with him now let's quickly examine the ways god revealed himself now i will read from first samuel first samuel chapter 3 verse 21 and the lord appeared again in shiloh for the lord revealed himself to samuel in shiloh by the word of the lord how did the lord revealed himself to samuel by his word so one of the major ways by which god reveals himself is by his word by revelational knowledge of his word now let me show you a scripture in job chapter 42 from verse 5 now this is job's conclusion after god's dealing with him he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of ye, but now my eye sees it. So God reveals himself by what we hear in his word, and again by the revelation, the insights he gives to us. That's the, the point I'm making from those scriptures. So he also, when you read from Romans chapter 1, you see that Apostle Paul talks about the invincible nature of God that are clearly seen, which are made known by the things that are created. Well, that is just a recommendation. And, uh, you know, Apostle Paul was mentioning how the unbelievers knows the Lord. That is not for you. They can come to know the Lord by clues, by observations, but there is an higher way, and that's a revelation. And of course, in that Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul was speaking to the unbelievers who have not been justified by faith in Christ and who are deliberately rejected God. So he told them the way God reveals himself to them at their level is that he brings their attention to certain observations and that's the lowest level. Meanwhile, let me mention two major levels by which God reveals himself. Number one, God reveals himself from how he had dealt with fathers who had gone before us. And number two, from what he has said about himself. There are two scriptures on my mind on this. Let me read Hebrews chapter 12. So that you can get, I mean, snatch a clue for what God is saying in your life by taking a look at the life of people who had gone ahead of you. Now, let's see what people who had gone ahead of us are saying. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race which is set before us. Now, from this scripture, the writer of 
of the book of Hebrews meant to show us that we take snatches, we take clues from those who are lived before us, such that when we look at the way they coordinated their life in their work with God, we are able to understand God's requirement for our own life and consequentially how he expects us to live our life. And not just that. Now, let's see what God has said about himself. God has one of the ways. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 33. What has God said about himself? What has God said about himself? Okay. Okay, let me read from 34 because of the time. And the Lord descended in the cloud from verse 5 and stood in there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. That is God talking about himself, introducing himself to Moses, revealing himself to Moses. Merciful and gracious and long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins, and we by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children and upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made his and bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped, and he said, If now I have found grace in the set, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go amongst us, for it is a stiff-naked people. Pardon our iniquity and sin, and take us for thy inheritance. Now, what is happening here? This God revealed himself to Moses. I am the Lord, the almighty God of Abraham. I am merciful, I am gracious, I pardon iniquity. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, God also introduced himself. He said, I am the Lord, you will love me with the heart, you will love strangers because I love strangers. So, the scriptures basically tells us who the Father is by the way he deals with people, by what he said about himself, and by what people who work with him said about him. Now, let me mention the wrong conclusions we can make about the father. You know, when somebody that is wicked died, one of the wrong conclusions we make about God, we conclude God killed him. But God said, no, the man killed himself, not me, I didn't kill him, because he wronged the laws, and by the laws he died. You know, it's just like a man, a man who jumped from a story building. When he jumps, he can have a dislocation, not because God sent an angel to dislocate him. But he sustained such a dislocation because he abused the law God had put in place. So when a man sins, a man wrongs his own soul and the consequence of that sin appears. So when a man that is wicked dies, we want to say God killed him. But no, God did, God did not kill him. Because God said he had no pleasure in the death of the sinner. So the scripture also affirms in Romans chapter 3 that the wages of sin is dead. So, and James also talking about the problems of sin and how sin results to death. He said, look, even what you call sin begins from your lust. And your lust, which is a, a function of an inordinate desire. And as that desire grows and remains unchecked, it leads to sin. And the end of sin is death. So God kills nobody. Meanwhile, all the while, when somebody dies, you say, this God will kill him. Anyway, that's not where I'm going. Let me ask you this question. I know that you believe certain things about God, but can I ask you, where do you learn those conclusions 
obvious from from what you have heard from people or from god's verdicts about themselves and you know what is very important is what god has revealed about himself not your opinion and check it guy i am always scared of god's word because my opinions and arguments cannot alter them so i i dare to ask you what is the source of your spiritual knowledge are they from your life's experiences do you gather gather them from scientific submissions or from philosophical materials or you got them from what god had reviewed and declared about himself this question is very critical you have got to answer it because if you don't answer it now and if you cannot actually assess where you get your perception of god from it will get him problem it, 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 it will bring you a problem one day the more reason in Matthew chapter 16 jesus christ is asked his disciples besides what you've heard people say about me what do you have to say about me or what do you know about me and that reminds me about the young guy i spoke with earlier today about christ and really the, the young guy was so brilliant but as brilliant as he was he won't accept god's offer in christ he won't accept that christ is the way to god and he has his own argument you know the arguments were very brilliant they were strong reasons but they are contrary to god's truth and there and then i i i was forced to ask what is the source of your knowledge then he, he told me said well i don't know then i i made both to ask him oh your knowledge is not from a court so he confessed he said yes from a court i am a court member he told me well i prayed with him and i prayed for him of course and let him go but what is very pertinent for us in this story is that it is very good for us to know where we have got our perception from some of you have got it from your friends from your pastor from the sunday school and some of the things you've got are half truth and i tell you today half truth is dangerous more than falsehood so you have got to, to, to track where you get your knowledge of god from and you know that is why i tell believers as much as we need the revelation and the convincing power of the holy ghost to win souls over to the father we also need our theology our knowledge of god to be sound to be accurate to be correct to be orderly to be straightforward and as well to be aligned all together if you are going to be logical and very very sound in presenting our faith but even that way and let's quickly go back to our discussion back to our discourse anyway the emphasis is that no one can know god better than the amount of light he enjoys the truth i'm passing across is that no one can know god deeper than the level of his test you see your test for god is shown not by the activities you engage yourself with in your church or wherever circle you belong to that is it as it can carry you nowhere you know in romans chapter 10 verse 1 apostle paul attests to the fact that the jews i mean the hebrews were very zealous but they were zealous in the wrong thing so what you need in your work with god is no zeal you have got to have knowledge so apostle said look i wish this guy aside their zeal have knowledge so what make a correct service is knowledge and zeal else you are going to channel your 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 effort your strength your you know your devotion elsewhere and you miss the mark 
so your devotion is not shown in your activities in how many activities you get involved in in church it is showing your devotion and when i say devotion i mean to say in how much time you spend personally in the presence of the father on a daily basis now see what the scripture says about someone in first Samuel chapter 3 first Samuel chapter 3 and i'm going to read verse 7 19 20 and 21 also so that we can get a full grasp of the scripture now first Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 then the boy now check the word boy a little boy Samuel ministered to the lord before he was serving the lord and the word of the lord was read in those days why was it rare because there was no widespread revelation revelation was cast and here is Samuel serving the lord now verse 7 now tells us that although Samuel was serving at the altar now Samuel himself did not know the lord nor was the word of the lord yet revealed to him in other words you can be serving at the altar you can be a pastor you can be a choir until you gain a revelation of who god is of who christ is you are only laboring in vain this is Samuel serving but the lord is not known to him and he had not known the lord but one day verse 19 says Samuel grew and the lord was with him and he does not even know the lord was with him but when he began to grow he began to grow the consciousness that the lord was with him and one of the signs to know that the lord was with him and as we should know also that the lord was with us is that whenever you say something it comes to pass and that's an indication that you have got to be careful but now let me show you verse 21 where i'm going then the scripture says in verse 21 of 1st Samuel chapter 3 that then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh so he left at the time when there was perversion but he had to appear again and the appearance of God again in that meeting in Shiloh was as a result of God revealing himself to Samuel the scripture says and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word so one of the major ways God revealed himself to us is not through visions it is by his word. So if you are looking out for God, you have got to get into his word. So it is God that reveals himself to us, not our instinct, not a cause, not our opinions, not our claim. None of this we do. No one can know God by himself. He has God and you have God and we all together have got to depend on this revelation of himself. God revealed himself to someone and the more reason he can show up in Shiloh. So the point is that God has to be revealed. Now you see, 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 see what Apostle Paul says. You know, that reminds me in First Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to read from verse 8. I mean verse 7. Verse 8. Okay, let me start. Let me pick verse 5. Then I move to verse 7 and verse 8 to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas. I would have read from verse 1, but for time, Paul is explaining the gospel. And now Christ presents himself alive after his death and resurrection. Then he said, Look, after the resurrection, he presented himself alive to Cephas. Then by the 12, verse 7 now, after that he was seen by James. Then by all the apostles, then verse 8, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of the due time. That is, Paul said, look, Christ had ascended 
when I became converted, but he had to reveal himself to me. So, you know, that, that reminds me of what he said in Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3. He said, I went up to Jerusalem by revelation. In one of the verses in Galatians chapter 1, he said, when it pleases God, who separated me from my mother womb to reveal his son in me. So, the purpose and the intention and the longing of God is to reveal himself to you. You can know him by guesswork. So when Paul said that, and he was seen by Cephas, who was he referring to? Of course, he was referring to Christ. Christ was seen. How was he seen? By revelation. So the point is, except God reveals his nature, except he reveals his graces, except he shows us his love, and there are boundaries we will miss our way, and even miss our way, even when we are searching out for him. And please mark what I've just said. I said you have got to pay attention to the boundaries of his love, the boundaries of his grace, the boundaries of his kindness. And that does not mean that I deny the fact that God's grace is measureless. Really, it has no meaning. I mean, it has no limit. Paul spoke about the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness in Romans chapter 5. And he said this to speak of the limitlessness of God's love and kindness. But the truth is that there are borderlines to this. But then I won't go further here for now. But the point I'm making is that you have got to learn to stay within the premise of God's promises, of God's grace and His love for us. Now, let me quickly move to the lens to which we should see the Father. And what I quickly want to show you now is the correct lens by which we must see the Father. If we will not misjudge him, if we will not misinterpret his justice, and if we will not go ahead to hurt ourselves and mislead others. What knowledge did you think that Job had that made him to that made him not to, to, to charge God foolishly after he, he his great adversity, after he lost all he had got? Friend, hmm. you see the fact is that Job saw God rightly. And because he saw God rightly, his emphasis remained unshifted. You see, when we try to understand God from our own little perspective, from our own fallen nation, we will misunderstand him. And consequently, we will misinterpret him. And that's why we need revelation. And I mean divine revelation, granted revelation to know the Father. And if we don't know him, we can't relate with him. The problem now let me quickly talk about um, the cause of unanswered prayers the cause of unanswered prayers you know apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 praying for us Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15 and 16 therefore I also after I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints do not cease to give sense for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. You see, there is always the need for the help of the Holy Spirit if we need to know the Father. Paul said that He will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Him. In other words, that He will give you the Holy Ghost to reveal Him to you. And that reminds me of what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 16. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he's referring to the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, the spirit that shows us the truth, the spirit that makes us to, 
to capture God's submission from his perspective. He will take things of mind and show it to you. He will not speak of himself, Jesus said. In other words, it is the Holy Spirit who shows us the Father. But then, permit me to quickly show you what Christ showed us about the Father. And that's where I'm going really. I have said all I've said so far because we cannot depend on our own instincts to know the Father. So let's see what Christ said about the Father. And this becomes very vital in how we can judge the Father, in how we can relate with Him, in how we see Him, in how we should allow um, um, His grace to influence how we treat people and how we relate with others. Because we never understand God better than your level of value and relationship for man. Hence the reason of Jesus' parable about the Samaritans. And the more reason why we need to trust His grace and His revelation of Himself. Because you can't just trust your own judgment as to who God is, except the Holy Ghost help you. So let's see Matthew chapter chapter 6. I'm going to show you verse 12, 14 and 15. Now, verse 2 of us, and Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. So he made a statement in the content of the prayer. He said, and forgive us our debts, that is our sins, as we forgive our debtors. But then in verse 14 and 15, he began to show us what he meant by that statement. Then he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So it meant Christ saying that, look, the law of Moses come to bear on some grounds. The law of harvest, seed time and harvest will not cease TBS sometimes. God will reciprocate your dealings with men to you. And because it's reciprocating who you are to you, 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 you are under... Um, the, 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 the tendency to believe that the God's dealing with you at a particular time is who he is. Meanwhile, that is not who he is. And it's a serious issue. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And in the prayer, he raised the matter of forgiveness to show us who the Father is, to understand the nature of the Father. Then after the prayer, he began to explain what he meant in his words of prayer, which he said, if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. And I feel that that was necessary just to make us understand that he knows what he was talking about when he said, if you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. And why is this dangerous? It is dangerous because if I don't receive forgiveness, I may want to conclude that forgiveness is not real because I have not received it. Or because I ask God to forgive my wrongs, but I still bear the aches, the pains, the 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 the, the, the injury. So because of that, I can conclude that well, um, that God doesn't forgive sins. Meanwhile, I am the one that's wrong because I am I am wrongly positioned. I have chosen not to forgive others. I am the hindrance to what God wants to pass across. The reason why many people are in pains. They are in confusion and they are looking to go for healings and they cannot, cannot receive it. And really, how many people can't receive healing? Because they have people they can't forgive and they are not ready to forgive. And as long as they keep the grudge, they keep being in pains. They can even die in the pains. And thinking about that, that's a very critical issue. If you did not forgive your fellow human being, God as powerful and gracious as he is, he won't forgive you. 
and the reason why many people can't prosper because they are dubious they are greedy they are stingy they are wicked and because of that they cannot secure the blessings of god the heavens over them is locked they pray but there is no answer and because of that they 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 conclude wrongly but they do not conclude yet what you have got to do is to examine your own self now if christ hasn't raised this issue we won't know the cause of not receiving answers to our prayers not receiving help from god even when we need them the most so can we apply this scripture to other areas of life yes of course you know that was if you fail to be merciful you won't receive any even if you fasted for it if you fail to give you won't receive any material blessing even if though if, even though you needed it badly and you even fasted for it so the law god of heaven and earth had made the world to function not just by prayers not just by miracles but by principles and when you follow the principles the nature and god will deliver to you accordingly and this is the picture of the father we have got to maintain this is the nature of the father jesus christ revealed to us god is fair god is loving god is gracious he cares for us but he works in our life we are only able to assess his provision for us in the proportion in which we allow him to operate Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we ask or think because of his power that works in us now let me quickly substantiate this from the scripture maybe you feel well young man your your argument does not hold water maybe you want to say your argument was before christ died and you want to say well that's no that no longer holds well let me quickly show you another scripture let's see another scripture now i want to show you the scripture from the epistles and of course you know the epistles were written to believers i mean those who have believed in the atonement of jesus and aside this fact i have always mentioned that jesus's teaching although we had done before his death but really there is explanation of what mankind would be in him when they receive his offering after his ascension but now see what james wrote here's what apostle james wrote in james chapter 2 from verse 12 and 13. so speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty verse 13. for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy mark that the one who has shown no mercy will not receive mercy but mercy triumphs over judgment that is anyone who showed mercy will receive mercy now to understand this passage let me quote from another translation please now i will quote james chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 as we've read from the kjv from the new living translation and it reads so whatever you say or whatever you do remember that you will be judged by the lord that sets you free by the word of god that gives you salvation will be the one to judge you and what does it say there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others this is the new testament but if you have mercy or if you have been merciful god will be merciful when he judges you in other words my reactions to others determines what i receive and this is the new testament teaching but then you want to ask why can't we trust jesus's teaching or jesus's declaration 
on the nature of the father or what he said about the father we can trust because he came not just to die for us and to rose again one of the assignments he also performed is to give us the new pictures of god so that we can understand him and so that we can better relate to them because the end result of redemption is fellowship and the end result of fellowship is is um you know is partnership that god will walk through us to get through to others so as a matter of fact there are many other issues you know jesus raised in matthew chapter 5 but time won't permit me to unravel them all but this is the son of god so he knows the father and that was his assignment listen to what apostle john said in the in the gospel account he presented john chapter 1 verse 18 he wrote he said no one has seen the has seen god at any time the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father had declared him no one has seen the father at any time but the only begotten son who is at the bosom of the father had declared him so christ revealed the father to us the word declared him as we saw in that scripture means christ saw the father christ pointed to the father or pointed out the father or still christ revealed the father to us and in his revelation of the father he told us that if we fail to forgive the father will not forgive the point i'm making and why am i showing you this to emphasize how dangerous it is to bank on your finite conception of God. And I mean to say, dare not describe God or place Him by your experiences because your judgment of Him will be wrong. You can only see God from the lens of the scriptures. God is known by His word. And I mean by the revelation of knowledge of his word. God revealed himself, himself to Samuel by his word. So revelation came by his word. And as I, as I, as I, as I round off, let me further substantiate this um, truth of the scripture from the Psalms. Let me corroborate what Jesus, what Jesus and James said about forgiveness and how our attitude our attitude determines what we get from god and i read from psalm chapter 18 from verse 24 and 25 and let's read it carefully therefore as the lord god therefore as the lord recompensed me according to my righteousness mark that word that's david's talking the lord recompensed me not beyond not below it's according so jesus christ teaching came to be a year that the measure to which you measure for me will be measured to you back according to my righteousness in the proportion of my righteousness now the next statement says according to the cleanness of, to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight verse 25 with a merciful thou will show thyself merciful with an upright man thou will show thyself upright with the poor thou will show yourself poor and with the pro fault pro word rather that we should say pro word. does that tell us anything of course yes that our relationship our enjoyment 
our work with God is proportional to the dimension, proportional to the level of our openness and relationship with Him. To the merciful, you show yourself merciful. To the cunning, you show yourself cunning. So you cannot just, you know, of course, conclude that this, this would the Father is based on your own judgment or your claims or your belief or your notions or your impressions. You have got to sin from the soul. And one of the things the world does to you is that it does not only show you the Father as it shows you the Father, it changes you to be who the Father is. So God will speak. God's word, God's word speaks for itself. To the faithful, he will show himself faithful. Period. Not even to heart. So if it seems you are you are under a closed heaven, if it seems you're 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 under under or under i mean um 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 uh, uh, an, an hostile experience maybe you have got to examine your own life you have got to examine your own life and a randolph let me randolph on this note from where i stopped I mentioned that, I mean, I, I started from, I mentioned that you will experience God two ways. It's either by the revelation, and I mean, from the perception he had given about himself from his word. Or you experience him, or you understand him, or you, 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 you hold up claims about him from your fallen human nature. So, except you receive what Christ has come to do, you receive what Christ had revealed about the nature of man, the depravity of man, and now he had come to reconnect you back to the Father. You are lost forever. You will never know this Father. Except on the verge of eternity, when you are forever separated from Him, from Him, rather. Meanwhile, trying to know God from your own fallen nature is the most terrible angle to see the Father. Meanwhile, if your heart is readily open and tested for Him, He will, you, he will show Himself to you and you will experience His love. And really, if you can trust Him, He will give you His nature. He will pour Himself on the inside of you. You see, the fact is that God is not interested in parading himself and forcing you to bow down to him, okay? Like Naaman was expecting of, of, of Mordecai and all of the, the clan of the Jews. No, God deserves our worship. He is worthy because he owes us. Just like every man, every manufacturer has a copyright of his goods or has the, the exclusive right to, to mass produce his goods. So God has all the right to receive our honor, our reverence and has all the right to tell us about himself because he himself knows himself and he himself only can explain himself to us. No, we trying to come up with perceptions. I didn't know times you have seen some people and you know we misjudge them by their personality, by their character, by their words. But by the time we move closer, we said they had something different entirely from what you think. Can you be humble and let God reveal himself to you? And that is his goal. That is his goal. He's interested in giving all of himself to you. And he's interested in helping you to unravel himself, to understand himself and to work with him. In conclusion, I have this to say. We experience God either by the revelation of His Word or from our own 
emptiness and fallen nature but the question is what is the angle you have always been seeing god from how have you been seeing him what informs your claims your submission you know your arguments your empty arguments about him do you see god to be a very difficult angry and bitter god who is trying to victimize you or do you see him as a loving father as a random let me show you one more scripture see what jesus christ told us about the father about his nature how that he does not discriminate how that he loves everybody equally matthew chapter 5 for the 3 to 48 this jesus giving us another picture of the father for the 3 to 48 matthew chapter 5 you have heard that it had been said thou shall love the neighbors and hate thine enemy but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45. That you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so, but yet therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven perfect. Can you see that? God does not discriminate. He blesses both the evil and the good. He does not favor a party and disfavor another party. He's a universal God. He does not discriminate, does not repay evil for evil. And this is who you should be. Romans chapter 12 and 13. Pray for those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse. That is our nature. That's what God has put on the inside of you. If you have come to, to know Jesus as your Lord. And what a beautiful picture. You know, it is not about who God is. You know, because nothing changes his nature. He's who he is. He cannot change. Malachi chapter 3, I'm the Lord God, I change it not. Therefore, you are not consumed. Nothing can alter who the Father is. But can you be conformed to who he is? And that is his goal. Romans chapter 8, whom he has predestined, if unknown, if unknown and he, if unknown themselves, they can be conformed to the image of his son. So God loves you. He wants to change who you are. And really, he will break you down and make a new you like himself, like his son. But the question is, will you yield and trust him to do in you a recreative miracle of a new bit? Do you want them to change your life? That is the question you ask now. But if you would open to him, he can change your life. So I want to say, Father, lay your hand upon me. Help me. To know you the more. Open my eyes to see you. Help me experience you in a dimension I've never before. Can you pray?